to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Connecting you with experts and trendsetters who are leading innovation in law enforcement, private security, and personal protection. And now, your host, Adam Wills. Welcome to episode 14 of the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Today is an episode that I am truly excited about because my guest today is someone who I have wanted to have on this show since the time that it was still in the idea phase. Leonard Stock has not only become a good friend of mine, but he is also the founder of The Grappler, a truly innovative and groundbreaking pursuit intervention device that puts an end to vehicle pursuits and saves lives. I first learned of The Grappler several years ago when it was still brand new and I was the undersheriff of the Yuma County Sheriff's Office. As soon as I saw it, I called Leonard and I had to have him come out and give us a demo. The concept was still very new at the time, but I was honored to be the first law enforcement agency to deploy a grappler in the field and to help Leonard and his team continue to develop the concept into what it is today. The grappler is still kind of a secret, even in the law enforcement world, and I'm hoping that this podcast is going to help get the word out. I honestly believe that before long, the grappler will be a name that is synonymous to law enforcement, just like Taser and other brands. In this episode, Leonard is going to share with us his inspirational story about how he came up with the concept and how he pushed forward into turning it into a reality. Leonard's story truly embodies the American entrepreneurial spirit and should be motivating to any of you that have your own ideas to start your own business. Without further ado, here is my interview with Leonard Stock, creator of the Grappler Pursuit Intervention Device. Hey, Leonard, welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Well, Adam, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I am really, really, really excited about this interview. Uh, As you know, I've... uh I've kind of been chasing you down a little bit, but that's okay. You've you've been busy, but I have wanted to have you on the show pretty much since I came up with the idea for it. That's because what you're doing with the grappler is, I think, the definition of innovation related to law enforcement. And so really excited to have you on, talk about the grappler, what it does, the problem it solves what kind of successes you've been having and and that sort of thing and kind of maybe break this a little bit more into the law enforcement community because I feel like um, the grappler is still a little bit of a secret, if you will, and uh, I think uh, no longer should that be the case. So why don't you tell us about the grappler? What does it do and uh, what's the problem you're solving with it? Well, the grappler allows law enforcement to seize a vehicle, uh, a moving vehicle, that is. And so right now, I don't know of a device that does fill that void. So you've got tire spikes and uh, vehicle tracking devices, and you have a pit maneuver. But to be able to, for law enforcement to get up behind a suspect vehicle and to seize it, I think the grappler solves that for the agencies that are using it right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I'm not aware of anything or familiar with anything else on the market. And this is a an area which I spent a lot of time researching when uh, I was under sheriff at the Yuma County Sheriff's Office. And, you know, we covered a, a large area, big geographic area, 2000 square mile county with a pretty small amount of patrol deputies. And so we, you know, weren't immune to to all of the uh, uh, high action things that go on in even bigger areas and municipalities. And those of my my brethren and, and sisters that are listening to the show today who work in rural communities can can attest to that. That you know, all the same things that happen in big cities happen out in rural counties. And so um, we still have to deal with those challenges. We just often have greater space to cover and far less resources to do it. And so we too uh, had to deal with pursuits uh, on a, uh, I wouldn't say routine basis, but at least with some regularity. And the challenge with that is most of the time when we had pursuits, we only had one deputy involved in that pursuit, uh, at least for a good length of time until um, somebody else could get caught up or, or intervene and intercept. And so having that sort of a challenge in big open highways where you can, you know, hit it straight and bury the needle, we had some pretty significant high-speed pursuits and those are hard to intercept and they're hard to stop. And there is a significant danger factor with that. And so we were, we had to look for something unique and that was how I came to, to meet you and know you Leonard and learn about the grappler and, and take that for a, a test drive, if you will. Well, yeah. And, and you, uh, being the undersheriff, you brought the grappler to your department and, um, it was early on in our journey, and uh, you were actually the first field grappler uh, in the United States. And uh, Border Patrol followed right after you did, like within a, a month or so. So there are challenges that we've uh, heard from other, other uh, sheriff's offices that cover a huge rural area with the same challenges that you just shared there's a uh, one specific sheriff's office that has grapplers and they also have dash cams and it's really awesome to see a pursuit and where the grappler catches up to the pursuit and there are probably six to ten other police vehicles and that the grappler vehicle passes all of them up and makes a capture and within a few seconds, the pursuit is over. It's really awesome to see that. Yeah, it's really an incredible device. And as as you know, I, I always set out just part of the way we were, both the sheriff and I, um, we were very intentional about uh, thinking outside the box and not doing things the way they've always been done and looking for uh, new technology, new ideas to help us be more efficient. And uh, you know, we went through a, a, a bout of time, like I said, where we had a bunch of pursuits and I started researching different uh, applications and, um, of course, had my own experience with some in the past. In fact, I almost lost my arm one time. Uh, we had a, a pursuit and uh, I happened to be able to get out in front of it and lay down some spike strips and threw those the spike strips out, uh, prepared to pull them across the road when when the uh a fleeing vehicle came through that area and I was probably dumb in the way I did it. I, th I think it was 
uh, one of those things where you're trained not to do it this way, but in the moment uh, when things are heightened and you're, you're thinking about a lot of different things all at once, you know, some of that, some of that training and thought just goes out the window. And I, I put this uh, spike strip out across the road and I didn't let go of the handle. And I still had the handle in my hand when the car went over it and it ripped it out of my hand and, and, uh, or, or actually wrapped around my hand, um, and took my arm and, and my body with it. And I, I swear to you, I thought I was going to lose my arm. And, uh, that was, um, certainly some of the other devices like that out on the market, while they may be effective and effective in those certain circumstances and situations where you can get another officer or deputy or trooper out in front of it. Those, those tools are effective, but they're also dangerous because you're putting yourself physically in front of this vehicle that's flying at a hundred and who knows how many miles per hour, uh, right past you. And, uh, like you said, I mean, there's, there's nothing out there, uh, like the grappler, you know, there's, uh, you know, the only other really pursuit intervention device that I'm aware of that doesn't actually stop the pursuit is a particular device that launches a little, uh, suction cup style dart that uh, sticks to the back of a vehicle and has a GPS tracker in it so that you can essentially back off of the pursuit and then follow the vehicle via GPS. But that still doesn't do anything in the immediate. And if that person is intent on fleeing, they're not necessarily going to stop and slow down and, and reduce the risk to the public just because you backed off. And so I think the grappler is really unique in its own right. There's nothing like it. And it is far more effective and safe. And so um, I wonder if you could share with us, because we've talked about, we've, we've been hyping it up now, Leonard, um, and, and why the grappler is awesome. But can you maybe explain for us, what is it exactly? How does it work? And how does it, how is it effective at stopping a pursuit? Well, the grappler is pretty much a push bar that we install on a uh, pursuit vehicle and uh, mounts very similarly and there are switches on the inside that the uh, grappler user would use to deploy the system and so when a uh, user is ready to make a capture they would deploy the net there's a high strength webbing that unfolds and the the user would direct it into one of the rear tires of the fleeing suspect. And the rotation of the tire actually pulls the webbing up and over. It typically locks the tire. And at a minimum, it'll go around the axle. And at that point, the uh, user would just apply the brakes and pull the vehicle to a stop. Now, one thing that you were talking about with the spikes, those are effective. And and same with the uh, GPS tracker. Those are good tools for certain certain situations. Uh, we think that the grappler is also a good tool for certain circumstances. In fact, a lot of the grappler field captures are on vehicles that have already been spiked. So uh, police officer spikes tires. It might be a 100-mile-an-hour pursuit at that time. Uh, probably not a good time to use the grappler at 100 miles per hour. But when that vehicle slows down to 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, and they're not stopping with their deflated tires, that has been, it's been very effective 
for a police officer to, uh, to deploy the grappler and arrest the vehicle. So you mentioned you know, the speed ranges there and, and probably not a good idea to deploy it at 100 plus miles per hour. And I, I know you guys have done quite a bit of testing on your own, but what is kind of the, well, I guess maybe there's two things here. <laughs> what's the what's the recommended range? And then what is, as far as live captures go, how many, how many live captures you have and what is the highest uh, speed that the grappler has been effectively used at in a real world situation? Well, we did have a state highway patrol before they put their grapplers in the field. They did some testing and they tested up to 105 miles per hour. So we can say that it's effective up to that speed. As far as a recommended speed, we can't really give a speed that we say everything's 100% safe. What we try to do is share as much data with our agencies with regard to our testing and the field captures that we have. We like to share where certain situations could be a little bit more dangerous than others. So even at five miles per hour, which it does work at five miles per hour as well, a suspect can turn the wheel into oncoming traffic. So we, during training, we like to give as much information as we can to, to point out any possible dangers. And so that would be a no-go as far as a capture. If there was oncoming traffic on a two-lane highway, you certainly wouldn't want to use the grappler at that moment. So as far as effective speed, we do know that it's been tested to 105 miles per hour effectively. And as far as a recommended speed, we just know that every situation is different and a police officer has to make the call or, you know, the supervisors have to make a call depending on how important it is to stop a vehicle. Uh, we do have a uh, 107 mile per hour field capture. And uh, so we do know that it works at 107 miles per hour. That particular capture was about as smooth as can be but obviously 107 miles an hour it could have been uh could have been a rough outcome as well but it just happened to be a, a really smooth capture and uh, right now we have very close to 100 field captures and they range from uh, capturing stolen vehicles uh, murder suspects kidnapping suspects and so when we talk about the different tools that police officers have in their toolbox, like one of the kidnapping captures was, uh, so they, a couple individuals kidnapped a female and the uh, police officer was able to come up behind the suspect and arrest the vehicle. And so in that situation, you wouldn't want to use a GPS tracking device because you need the vehicle stopped and you wouldn't want to use a pit maneuver necessarily because you have someone, a victim in the car. And uh, so in that case, I think the grappler was the perfect tool. Yeah. And quite possibly the only, the only tool really for that, that scenario. Uh, that's, that's a neat example or case study, if you will, of how it can be applied. I, I kind of want to paint a picture here because I think 
it can be hard to envision what you're describing as far as how how the grappler itself works, what it looks like and, and what it does. And of course, I'll when I when I publish this episode, I will post in the show notes, I'll post a video, some videos that you guys have from your YouTube channel and um, that sort of thing that people can check out. But for those that are just listening to the show, you know, I kind of want to paint this picture. And so, you know, you you described it as uh, it looks like a bumper. So, I mean, it really looks like a uh, like a cattle, like a cattle guard type bumper. And you almost wouldn't know in looking at it unless you knew what you were looking for. Just just walking up to the vehicle or seeing it on the road, you you really wouldn't know that it was that there was anything else going on uh, behind that front bumper than what meets the eye. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. You know, that's what it looks like. And then as you described it, so you know this pursuit is happening, and this officer with the grappler that uh, equipped on their vehicle you know, they get up behind the vehicle and they have a toggle switch in the cab that they flip and it essentially opens up. So that, that front bumper opens up and extends upward, I guess. Is that right? It extends upward and it ends up opening up and looking kind of like, um, a V shape, uh, sort of upright. And then, and then you lower it down when you're ready to actually make the capture and the goal is that you're trying to, oh, I should say in between those, those two arms that are V-shaped, there's essentially a, a toe strap is what it looks like that's interwoven uh, back and forth to create this net uh, between those two uh, extending forks. And uh, the goal is to get behind the vehicle, the suspect vehicle, and essentially get their rear driver's side, in most cases, uh, wheel in between those front forks. And, um, once it does, it grabs onto that, uh, that webbing and captures that vehicle by wrapping around the tire and, and the axle. And then it extends out to create a safe distance between the police vehicle and the suspect vehicle, uh, so that you, um, can both tether and untether it in order to bring that vehicle to a stop. Did I, did I describe that well enough, Leonard? Did a pretty good job, Adam. But yeah, with the webbing that is extended, the goal is really to get, make contact with the rotating rear tire. And that rotation does pull the net up and over. And the tether uh, comes in different lengths depending on what agency wants. So uh, some of the higher speed uh, agencies that might be capturing it uh, at those higher speeds, they would use a 40-foot tether. And then some of the city police stations would use a 30-foot. And then the SWAT teams typically like a 15-foot tether because they want to be up close to the suspect. And it more mimics the boxing method that SWAT teams typically use. And so... One thing about the 100 captures that we have, I believe about half of them are by SWAT teams. And so part of the goal of designing this device is that we would have a ranch hand type bumper that you are describing. So it doesn't look like the typical police vehicle bumper. And so it, it has some mesh in it. And uh, so it, it's been pretty successful as far as suspects not really recognizing what's going on. Uh, 
and uh, along with that uh, the tactical captures a, a lot of times what we hear from police officers is when a suspect has a police officer behind them they're usually doing the speed limit like this is before they a uh, police officer lights up so they're usually doing the speed limit obeying the traffic laws. And so if all of the traffic is clear and there's a good time to capture that suspect, that it kind of works in well with uh, just trying to trying to capture at as low a speed as possible because it reduces, it reduces risk, of course, with the lower speed you have. And so, so with that ranch-style bumper, officer can deploy the net and capture the vehicle with uh, many times, in fact, most times without the suspect even knowing what happened. In fact, with uh, many of the captures, the suspects don't even know why their vehicle came to a stop because it's, it's pretty controlled in most cases. So as the police officer is pulling the, the suspect vehicle to a stop, it's almost like their vehicle's braking on its own. And so we've actually uh, heard stories about uh, SWAT teams that came up on a suspect after the capture, and the suspect is just looking at their steering wheel, looking at their gear shifter, trying to figure out why their vehicle stopped. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was, that, that was, those are some cool stories. That 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 makes you happy. <laughs> yeah. Just and, totally get into their loop and screw with their little world. <laughs> yeah, and, and one thing I want to point out is um, you did touch on it that the tether is releasable at any time. There is a switch that a police officer can flip, and uh, they can be uh, detached from uh, the webbing. And uh, I will say that at the hundred captures that we have, no police officer has has released that for uh, during a capture. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Explain, you know, what, um, under what circumstances would you want to do tethered mode versus untethered mode? What are the advantages and disadvantages of that? Well, a tether, it, as long as you're tethered, you will be able to pull the vehicle to a stop and probably uh, within a few seconds and, and probably five or six seconds. If you were to release the tether, if it was a front-wheel drive vehicle, it may never come to a stop. If it was a rear-wheel drive vehicle, it might take a mile or two before that vehicle slows down enough to come to a stop. So really, using a tether is very effective in bringing a vehicle to a stop. The tether release is really just an emergency release. For whatever reason, you can think of several things of, you know, seven, several scenarios of why a police officer would want to release the tether. But fortunately, we haven't uh, had any of those issues yet. So there's really no circumstances under which it's a tactical, intentional, or purposeful decision to release it. Um, there's not really an advantage to that. It's more of just a, an emergency type situation. Correct. If, uh, like, one of the worst case scenarios you could imagine is if several people got out with firearms, um, the, the uh, police officer would want to release and get the heck out of there. Right. So now you guys have made this bumper for different applications, different types of patrol vehicles, not just uh, full-size pickups or SUVs, right? I mean, you've got a version for like the Ford Interceptor sedans and SUVs as well and, and other models. Is that right? 
currently we only have pickup truck and Tahoe models. We are wrapping up the R&D for the Ford Explorer Interceptor. We probably have nearly 50% of the agencies that contact us have Explorers. And uh, yeah. so we're, we're uh, wrapping that up and we'll be able to offer that in a few months that that version and that will probably go along and be uh compatible with the dodge durango it's a little bit different system it's going to be out of aluminum and and as far as the sedan that is a totally different uh, mechanism and we're not quite ready to start that one yet that's going to be that's going to be a little bit more complicated yeah maybe my recollection was that you had shared with me that you were working on some of that stuff, not not that it was out, but that I had some sort of recollection of you, um, you guys having that on your radar at least. But you guys have, if I remember correctly on this too, um, I'm, I'm more certain of this, by the way, <laughs> but you guys have tested, and I think there's actually a video out there, if I'm not mistaken, of you guys testing this on a full-size F-350 and, and being able to stop it with the grappler. Is that right? That is correct. And what we were using as our chase vehicle is a uh, Tahoe. And so a Tahoe can easily stop our F-350 that we use for testing. There is uh, a scenario where if um, after the capture, we put the F-350 in four-wheel drive low, we can actually pull the Tahoe. Um, so that was something that we wanted to test and share with law enforcement that that is possible. Um, there have been some F-350s that were actually captured in the field. And fortunately, uh, what happens after a capture is the suspect either gives up or they bail on foot. So uh, fortunately, there's not a lot of extra extracurricular activity after a capture other than uh, a suspect bailing or giving up. Yeah. And now if my, I'm, I'm kind of jogging my memory here. And if I remember correctly, I think we actually, when you guys came out uh, to Colorado to do your demo with us, I think we actually did that on an F-350. And I, I believe we recorded it with a, with our drone, if I remember correctly. Is that still, do you still have that video? Do you still use that? I still have that video. I believe we have it on our Facebook page at the, the Grappler Police Bumper by Stock Enterprises uh, Facebook page, and uh, that that was uh, it proved to be very effective with the Dodge Ram that you had for stopping the F three fifty. Yeah, well, we'll have to see if we can find that video and maybe put that uh, down in the show notes too, because that was a cool video because it actually uh, showed the the vehicle captured and sitting there roasting the 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 tires, uh, trying to pull away and and unable to do so. Yeah, that was uh, a fun time where we did, uh, I know in the training that we did with you guys, um, uh, we used that F-350. Hey, just me cutting in for a quick break and chapter two of the Marketing Minute. Tips to help you start your own business post-law enforcement or grow your existing business. I realize I left you on the hook a bit after the first chapter of the Marketing Minute where we talked about the first of the seven critical elements of an effective story-based marketing strategy, the hero, also known as your customer. 
I told you that in the following episode I would tell you what your role was. But the truth is, there is still yet another element that is more important than you are. I know, I'm sorry. Just set your ego aside for a minute and check it out. The next most critical element is the problem. Again, think back to the last good movie you watched. Immediately after meeting the hero, we find out that they have a problem. There's a bomb to defuse, an evil villain to be defeated, or a girl to be won. You see, the problem is the hook. Nobody cares about the story or what you have to share with them until they realize there's a problem, something to be defeated or overcome. After all, without a problem to be solved, why are you even in business? Now, there is so much more to unpack about the problem, but we've run out of time for this chapter. We will talk more in depth about the problem in later chapters. I do, however, promise you that in the next chapter of the Marketing Minute, I will in fact introduce you to your role in an effective story-based marketing strategy. Check out every episode of the Marketing Minute by going to psi.chat forward slash marketing minute. Now, let's get back into the show. Yeah, so let's talk about training. Um, You mentioned that earlier that uh, training is something that you do um, with law enforcement agencies that that choose to deploy the grappler. And that's what you did with us. And thanks for pointing out, by the way, that we had the first one. Uh, that's um, a badge of honor because I think um, the grappler is going to be a, a household name in law enforcement before long, just like, you know, Taser and some of these other companies out there. So it's kind of a badge of honor for me um, that we, ha- we had the first one. I'm disappointed we didn't get the first capture, but hey, that's all right. I'd rather be known for being at at the forefront of innovation and uh, kind of being there on this journey with you has been a lot of fun. But anyhow, you came out and trained us. Uh, you trained our, our deputies that were uh, whose vehicles we equipped. And we even trained the other ones that didn't have it just so that they were aware. So talk about that. What do you do in training that's included in the price, if you will, when an agency purchases uh, the grappler from you? Is that right? That is correct. We train... It's all inclusive. When we uh, sell a, a grappler unit, we train the user as well. And training is usually about an hour of PowerPoint going over s- different situations and, and being able to show on video what to expect in certain certain cases. And then about an hour or two of driving out on the track and making a couple of captures. And so in the hundreds of law enforcement that we've trained, everybody feels pretty good after after a couple of hours of training. Yeah. And it was, quite honestly, it was a lot of fun too. That was probably one of the most fun trainings that uh, I did in recent memory. So it was a blast. I could tell you that police departments really love training with the grappler. It's totally different from anything they've ever done. And, uh, everybody just, it, everyone has a blast when we're doing the grappler training. Yeah. It's a good little adrenaline rush too. And, uh, we always like those. Yep. So why don't you kind of lay it on everybody? Um, we've, we've talked about everything it can do and, and whatnot. What, what typically does a grappler charge? And I'm sure that that depends upon a lot of different variables, but um, let's give everybody kind of a ballpark. What are they looking at if they want to deploy the grappler in their own agency? Well, one of the things that go into pricing is our travel expenses. So we always have to look at that. But typically 
around $5,000, will get a grappler unit installed and the user trained and with a couple of arresting nets. So for 5000 someone can get up and running. If we go out and install five or 10 units, then we can drop that price because our travel expenses get um, incorporated into the other units. And the arresting nets are $350 each. Uh, they are a one-time use. Uh, we do offer credit for a used net. And what we'll do is we'll take a used net back, refurbish it, and we could use it for training. And really the goal is to not only help the police officer stay in their vehicle during a uh, stopping a vehicle, we think that it will reduce liability for an agency if they can stop a vehicle and prevent it from going through an intersection and hurting someone. But our main goal from the beginning, and my goal, has been to protect the innocent life out there. That's really, that's really what our passion has been. Yeah. And that's a, a very altruistic and it's, it's a good passion to have. Like <laughs> there's uh, certainly something to be said about that and that that's your, really your mindset behind it, that uh, you just kind of wanted to, to do something good. Uh, and I appreciate that. Now I, you were talking about those those nets and what you can do with them afterwards, and that, that reminded me of some of our conversations uh, that we had in the past. And we were kind of joking one time, you know. Well, I think we were eating lunch at Pizza Hut uh, when when you were out here, and we were talking about how Spike Strip, for example, they give you a a pin when you have a successful deployment that you can put on your uniform shirt. And we had joked about some ideas of uh, recycling uh, the netting uh, from the capture and putting together some sort of a trophy with that. Is that something that you ended up doing or is that still just kind of in the plane of thought? <laughs> I do remember that conversation about making some kind of a hammock or something out of it. Yeah, that's right. It was a hammock. <laughs> a chair that hung from a tree or something. Uh, we haven't yeah. done anything with that yet. We do <laughs> send out a nice um, personalized grappler uh, drink tumbler. And uh, that's been pretty popular. And, uh, and we also give out hats, uh, grappler hats. And so the user cool. is really like that. Yeah. Well, you, um, you're certainly the brainchild behind this idea, the grappler. And, um, I would like, uh, to hear, I'd like, well, I'd like you to share, I guess, with the audience. I, I know the story, so I'm not going to pretend like I don't, but, um, I would love to hear it again. And I'd like you to share with our audience, you know, how did you come up with this idea? You know, was this something that you'd thought about for a long time or was it just kind of an aha moment one morning? And what has that journey been like for you from the inception of this idea through getting to where you are today? Well, I, along with probably everyone else listening, watched these police pursuit shows where um, it was just high speed, uh, dangerous pursuits. And uh, this was way back in the day. I think it might have been Sheriff John Burnell, kind of rings a bell. But in watching these pursuits, many of them ended with uh, innocent people getting crashed into. And, you know, I was just watching just like anyone else. And um, even though it was aggravating, I mean, 
just the injustice of someone who is running from police and they crash and injure or kill someone. And uh, after one of those shows, I, I must've been dreaming about it or something. I don't remember an actual dream, but I remember I just suddenly awoke. And the first thought I had was a strap going around a tire. And that was the only image I had, but I knew that that image was a police officer wrapping up an axle and pulling the vehicle to a stop. And, um, uh, I remember writing some notes thinking, Hey, that, that might work. And I wasn't trying to come up with an idea. It just hit me while I was sleeping. So the following weekend, my wife and I uh, went out to the outskirts of Phoenix out in the desert and we um, found a dirt road and I just rigged up a couple of arms with a strap attached to it. And we took our personal vehicles and uh, ran a little test and we could see that the tire did want to pull some type of a cable over the, over the tire. And so I uh, filed for a patent and uh, did get the patent. And then here I am, high school graduate, you know, I didn't really, really, I wasn't qualified to do, to come up with a device. So I started to pitch the idea to some of the larger companies, whether they were bumper companies like uh, Satina and Go Rhino and uh, some of the other businesses that have spike strips and that kind of thing. And uh, nobody wanted to uh, take on the challenge. And so huh, that's interesting. I don't remember you telling me that part. And I think they're probably going to regret that decision here pretty, pretty soon. You know, I, I did, uh, I, I tried just, um, making it a point once a week to at least call one of the major players and, uh, nobody, uh, wanted anything to do with it. I really just didn't hear anything back. And then, uh, and then I had a life, you know, we had kids and so I would, put this idea on the shelf for six months and then I'd watch a pursuit and I'd think, gosh, I should at least offer this. And then, and this was kind of a cycle that went on for many years where it was a lot of work to try to figure out. And then, um, I did go to the IACP. Um, I believe it was late 2014 and I took the best videos that I could have with our product. And we didn't have anywhere close to a product that was ready to market, but our booth was so busy. Like we had so many police officers around our booth and it, it was really, it, it was really something that we left there thinking that this is something I have to figure out. So for the next month or two after that, I made it a point to call an engineering firm, at least one engineering firm per day and it across the country and not one engineering firm would, would help us. And, oh, wow. uh, and later I found out from my attorneys that, that the reason was they didn't want any liability attached to them. Sure. And so really it was, it was really down to me trying to figure out the bumper system along with the webbing system. And then I put that, put it on the shelf a little bit longer just because it was a lot of work. And then I ultimately I 
really didn't want to go the rest of my life wondering should I have done it or not. And so that was really the the thing that I, I decided since I don't want to live the rest of my life wondering if law enforcement would have wanted this, I just decided to go for it and I jumped in and I eventually got the product to work and uh, offered it to law enforcement. And at that point, to me, it really didn't matter if law enforcement wanted it or not, because I knew it was a lot of work if they wanted it. And if they didn't want it, then I got to go back to my nice, cushy life that I had doing my thing. Fortunately, uh, some large agencies like Border Patrol and uh, Phoenix PD and some other ones uh, uh, like Arizona DPS, um, I can I can mention the agencies that have gone public in some way. Um, we have some other ones that haven't gone public, so I can't really say. But we're very fortunate that some large agencies have put us on the map. That's a really cool story, and uh, thanks for sharing that. It, if nothing else, it should be motivating. I think to um, other people that are listening, especially if they have their own ideas for things, uh, their own innovative ideas that. Don't don't sit around and, and live life in regret that you didn't flesh out that idea to see if it would uh, be successful or not. Because at this point, I think looking at what you've done, and I'm convinced, like I said before, that you know this is going to grow exponentially for you. I think this is really just the tip of uh, the iceberg in uh, the recognition of the grappler and what it can do. But regardless of where it goes from here, you can now say that your idea has saved lives. It has absolutely saved lives. I mean, over a hundred captures, it is very easy to say that uh, you've had an impact on the exact thing you wanted to. You've saved lives, not only of, of officers, but uh, also suspects and, and even innocent bystanders, like you said, that are out on our motoring uh, highways. And so, you know, that, that's uh that's really neat. And and what a good feeling that has to be to be able to say, my idea has had an impact on public safety and on community safety. Whenever I get word that there's been a capture, the thing I think about is that vehicle did not hurt an innocent uh, motorist or a pedestrian. And in every case so far, the suspects have been captured, the, the ones that have bailed. So it is definitely rewarding to know that um, at least in those circumstances where the grappler has been used, those vehicles didn't hurt anyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. And now you just got to convince them all to uh, the, those agencies that have a grappler on their patrol vehicles, they need to get a dog for each of those vehicles too. Then you wouldn't have to worry about people fleeing. <laughs> there are several grapplers mounted on canine units. So it is uh, something good. that smart. Uh, some of the tactical grapples that occur, uh, they either are by a canine grappler or they'll have canines uh, present so they can, they can uh, catch up with the suspect. Awesome. So now your background is, is obviously not in law enforcement. Um, what, what is your background? I have been a roofer since 1985 
and I say since, and I, I, I still feel like I'm a roofer because you know, sometimes my friends need some work done, but, um, yeah, I've been a roofing contractor. We've been, uh, uh, my wife and I have built houses. Uh, we have flipped many houses. And, uh, so going in and buying a house that's just run down and then just gutting it and putting all new finishing finishings in, uh, that has also been a passion of mine. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we made a few bucks at it and we, had to stop all of that when we got into the grappler. And so you really kind of just have, have always been sort of an entrepreneur, huh? Well, I, I've always felt like just doing my thing. I, you know, uh, and really just, uh, whether it was starting my business with roofing or the flipping houses, I think that, uh, I guess I've been somewhat of an entrepreneur, but I never really thought about it that way. Yeah. Well, cool. Anything else that we haven't covered so far that you want to cover? Anything new coming up that uh, uh, is in the in the works uh, for the Grappler? I would like to touch on a couple of things where we uh, we just installed some units for uh, our second military base here in the U.S. And so it's really really awesome that our military would want to use something I came up with. Um, we also have uh, some really large agencies and, and we're just so fortunate that uh, when I look at the list of agencies we have, I just, I mean, it, it's ideal for us when we, when we look at in the beginning, before we had any agencies, it was a list of agencies. Like we would want the federal government, uh, like the military is something that I thought about and some of the large uh, uh, city police departments and the sheriff's offices. And we have, we have those on our list. So it's amazing that we were able to do that. And one thing we are uh, scheduled to meet with a very large international airport police department that uh, is responsible for keeping the, the uh, airport safe. And so we think we're going to be protecting uh, a large international airport here within the next few months. That's cool. Right on. So uh, I guess let's, um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, whether that's to uh, ask for a demo or just chat about uh, more information maybe follow you on social media or elsewhere. How, how would people reach out to you and what does it look like? What's that process look like to ask for a demo? The demo is, uh, it depends on if we're going to be installing in a particular area, we can do some demos. Um, we are going to be traveling from Arizona to the South East part of the country here in a couple of months um, for some demos but uh, it's it is quite expensive to to perform a demo, so we can't just do it um, at a request necessarily. Just because we we have two vehicles, we're pulling across the country, and it gets quite expensive. But um, agencies can contact us by going to either our website at policebumper.com or they can email us at sales at policebumper.com. Uh, they can visit our Facebook page, even message us that way at the uh, Grappler Police Bumper by Stock Enterprises. 
just a Google search of Grappler Police Bumper will allow someone to get a hold of us. All right. And I will, of course, add uh, links to all of that in the show notes, along with some of the other resources we talked about, some you know videos that we can come up with uh, and things of that nature. Leonard. It's been awesome. Thank you for being on the show. And I think more importantly, you know, we've stayed in touch over the years, even since I've left the sheriff's office. And so thank you um, for being a good friend too. Well, Adam, it was an honor to be on your show and it's been awesome to keep in touch with you over the years. And and we'll have to continue to do that. And, and you know what? I'll have you back on the show sometime in, in the uh, future. And I'm going to say near future, even when, uh, the grappler is really big and you've got some really cool updates for us. We'll have you back to give an update. Well, that'd be awesome. Thanks, Adam. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out this episode of Public Safety Innovators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please head over to my website at publicsafetyinnovatorspodcast.com or simply psi.chat, where you can check out episode notes and other episodes from the show. While you're there, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere else that you prefer to listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate if you could help other people find the show by leaving a review wherever it is that you prefer to listen to the show. I'd love to hear from you if you have feedback about the show, a suggestion on a guest, or maybe you're a public safety innovator yourself and would like to be a guest on the show. Please head over to my contact page on the website and you can submit that information there or just email me at adam at psi.chat. All right, I'll catch you on the next episode.